Trade today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We've been talking about how people who struggle with mental illness sometimes end up in perpetual cycles of interaction with the criminal justice system. We've been talking about the front end of that problem, how police are often ill-equipped to deal with those situations. But now I'd like to talk about another side of the criminal justice system and its role in this, the courts. Here in Michigan, people with mental illness sometimes get the opportunity to participate in specialized courts meant to keep them out of jail or prison. Problem-solving courts also include drug and sobriety courts, as well as veterans treatment courts. And all of those programs are getting a boost here in Michigan. The state recently announced nearly $17 million in grants for problem-solving courts. Here to talk about it is Michigan Supreme Court Justice Beth Clement, who serves as the court's specialty court liaison. Justice Clement, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you here. So for listeners who aren't familiar with the concept of problem-solving courts, just spend a little time talking about what they are and how they work. Yeah, absolutely. So um, currently, Michigan has 204 problem-solving courts. And as you mentioned, that includes uh, drug sobriety courts, mental health courts, and, and veteran treatment courts. And what these courts are are an alternative to um, the traditional uh, ju- uh, judicial process and, and probation um, that has been you know, longstanding in our in our justice system. Um, and a number of years ago, we had um, some you know really passionate judges that said, you know, what we're doing is not working. We keep seeing the same individuals coming back through the system, and we know that they have underlying trauma and underlying um, issues, whether that's mental health or um, addiction issues. And we really need to do something different to help them get the assistance that they need to get their life back on track so that they stop interacting with the justice system. Um, and, and so our problem-solving courts were, were born, um, you know, through pilot projects um, years ago. Um, and what we have now is a very robust program um, throughout the state. Um, I, 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 the last number that we saw was 97% of um, Michigan, of Michigan's population has access um, to these courts around the state, mm-hmm. um, and what they are is a very strict supervision um, and treatment under the direction of um, very dedicated judges and teams that come together to say, okay, what is this individual? Um, uh, what are they struggling with? Is it is it drug addiction? Is it mental health? Is it both? Oftentimes, it's, we see you know coexisting um, conditions. And what is it that we need to do to assist them? And, and what kind of treatment do they need? What kind of support do they need um, in order to help them, um, you know, really tackle what, what has led them to the justice system? Um, you know, I, I, I like to, to share that, you know, these are very difficult programs. Um, most of the time, you know, when people enter them, um, they, they wonder what they got themselves into because probation um, or possibly jail time might be easier um, than what these programs um, offer p- participants. But by the end of the program, um, what we hear consistently is that a problem-solving court saved their life. And had they not had the ability um, to participate in one, they, they don't know where, where they would have ended up. Hmm. Uh, and the outcomes, the different outcomes, I imagine, are the are part of the 
thing that's driving this extra money that we're now going to, to, to plow into these courts. Talk a little about what the $17 million in grants will mean for the work yep. that these courts are doing. So we have been, um, the, the Michigan Supreme Court, um, through our state court administrative office, um, has been tracking the data on the success of these courts. Um, and we do that to make sure that the money that we're, that we're receiving and investing in them um, is being put to good use and that, and that we're getting the results that we believe um, these, these courts offer. Um, we also you know, are able to use that data, take it to the legislature, take it to the governor, and say, look at how successful these are. Um, and, and we have had tremendous success um, partnering with, with uh, the legislature and the governor um, to support these programs. Um, and that's because what we, what we track data-wise looks at um, the impact on public safety. So um, we track our, how the graduates are doing um, within three years of admission to the program, and they are nearly two times less likely to be convicted of a new offense. Mm. Um, and, 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 and that's in our, in our drug court programs. In our sobriety court programs, they're more than three times less likely to be convicted of a new, uh, new offense. Mm. We also track unemployment. And when we have individuals that are coming in that either are unemployed or don't have stable employment, um, and what we're seeing is, is tremendous increase in employment opportunities and, and being able to maintain employment um, once they graduate um, from, from the program. So, um, you know, the, the numbers that we see are, are, are very significant. Um, 96% of adult uh, drug court graduates and 86% of our, of our drug sobriety court graduates um, uh, are, are employed. Um, we see a drop in unemployment by, by 81% among, amongst our veteran treatment court graduates. Um, and, and then we track how individuals in our mental health courts are doing um, and, and their interaction um, after they graduate from the program, whether or not they're continuing um, you know, treatment, medication. Um, and so, so we are able to track all of this to show the impact that it's having on our communities, which, which we know um, if, if individuals are if getting their lives back on track, um, we have we have safer communities. Hmm. So I, I want to talk just a little about how you can draw distinctions between somebody who's got an issue that can be addressed in these problem-solving courts and someone who can't. I think it's obvious that you're not going to be able to divert 100% uh, of, of offenders uh, into these courts. Some people are, are going to have to stay in, in regular courts. I wonder if you can just talk just a little about why, why eligibility uh, applies in, in some cases and in others might be inappropriate. Um, so, you know, there's some statutory requirements of who is and is not eligible. Mm -hmm. so that's the framework that the courts start with. Um, but they have they have teams of you know prosecutors, defense attorneys, um, you know people from the community, whether that's you know mental health professionals that that re that look at an individual case and say could this person benefit? Now is that to say that they might look at someone and say I think this person would be would would do really well in a problem solving court, and and they don't? Yes, of course we have situations like that. I, you know I've I've visited a number of problem solving courts where um, participants, you know, share their story and they had the opportunity to be in a problem-solving court before the one that they're currently in mm -hmm. and, they, and they failed. They, they were not ready for it, um, and, but, but they took the opportunity before them um, with that next interaction with the justice system and said, 
I have to do this. This is mm-hmm. this is the time to do it. Um, yes, there's going to be some some individuals that you know that are just not the right fit for this. Um, it takes that team um, to, to look at, at, at the, the entire um, individual and, and their their past history to say, you know, is this something that that would be a benefit to them? Do we think that they can be successful? Um, and is this something that you know that they at least um, have an interest in doing. And, mm-hmm. and I say that because not every individual is saying, yeah, I want to do the harder program instead of doing traditional probation. Sure. Generally, individuals that are, are coming through the justice system, they're at a very, very difficult time in their life. And especially if you know they've had um, you know, uh, any type of fallout with their family or friends, disconnect there, you know, this, is, this is presenting them an opportunity to have an entire support system around them, the other participants in the program and the entire team that's there to help lift them up and get them the assistance that they need. I'm talking with Supreme Court Justice Beth Clement. Uh, She is the court's problem-solving court liaison. We're talking about problem-solving courts, uh, places where people who have uh, social challenges can uh, be treated rather than just punished by the criminal justice system. Uh, a new $17 million grant is really going to uh, expand the opportunity for people to participate in these courts here in Michigan. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Let us know what you think about the court system focusing on rehabilitating offenders rather than punishing them. Uh, do you think that is the way we ought to be going? Uh, do you think that's something we ought to be expanding as we think harder about the purpose and the outcomes of the criminal justice system in our country. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Justice Clement, I want to put that same question to you about the broader context of, of this discussion. Should the default in our criminal justice system be more rehabilitative as opposed to just punishment and confinement? Should we be defaulting to the idea that this is the right way to deal with with crime and with people who commit crimes for you know reasons that uh, that they aren't entirely responsible for? You know, I think that's that's what we see um, the, the the trend heading towards. Uh, we um, have started at the, the Michigan Supreme Court at the Judicial Council, bringing together judges from around the state, talking about what the judiciary should look like um, going forward. You know, the pandemic helped us, um, you know, pull that together and really um, give us an opportunity to focus on what we learned during the pandemic and how we want to move forward. And and you know, without you know, without exception. That's what I hear from our trial court judges around the state, that that is, you know, you don't have to have an actual, you know, formal problem solving court program in your court to to model what what our problem solving courts stand for. And that is understanding you know, the underlying trauma or issues that are bringing individuals into the criminal justice system or the justice system as a whole. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at, at this type of model with our family courts as well and individuals that, um, you know, that are, you know, at risk of, of losing their children because they may have a mental health um, um, 
condition. They may have a drug or, or alcohol addiction. Um, and so we're looking at taking this and, and, and applying it across the spectrum mm-hmm. when it comes to, to the judiciary. Um, and, and the reason that we're doing that is because we have the data to show that, that our traditional models, you know, don't, you know, are not leading us towards rehabilitation. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's punishment and it works in, in some instances and in, in some cases it's the only option. Um, but we know that in, 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 in more cases we can actually assist people um, to work through those things and, and get, you know, get employment, get transportation, get stable housing. And that's really um, what we should all be working yeah. towards. Yeah. Okay. Justice Beth Clemente, great to have you here for this conversation. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you. That's going to do it for us this week. Come back Monday when Congresswoman Debbie Dingell is going to join the program to talk about the infrastructure package and other news out of Washington, D.C.